So let's start by reading Matthew 28, 1 to 8. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Let's pray. God, I pray that you, afresh anew, or even for the first time, would remind us or uh, tell us afresh what it means that you resurrected from the dead and how that affects our life. God, may you remove me and may we hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we celebrate the hinge of history, the turning point of civilization, the, the center point of our faith in Jesus. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And those are some incredible ears over there. I'm sorry, I just, I, I, I saw the ears. Yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah, they're great. They're great. For those who aren't in person, I'm sorry, you're missing some of the ears and other things going on in the room. But today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And in the same way that on the cross, Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. In the resurrection of Jesus, we're saying, it's not over. It's not over. Now, this might seem like a conflict, but the reality is that the resurrection of Jesus is a continuation of God's perfect plan for all of humanity and history. A continuation of not the way it once was, but how it is meant to be. You might have heard this saying in your life, or you might have used this saying at some time, it's not right. You ever hear that saying? That it's not right. You might have heard it said, like, with racism, that racism is not right. Murder is not right. I was at Costco a few weeks ago, and I was standing in line, and, and if you're brave enough to brave Gaithersburg Costco, you know what I'm talking about. But I go there every week because I got four kids, man, and we got to buy in bulk. So I brave that place all the time. But I'm standing in line to get into Costco and the person directly in front of me starts yelling at the person in front of them who they don't know. Not quite sure what was going on, but I'm like, what is going on here? And so I turned to the person and I said, hey, that's not right. And the person turned around and started yelling at me. And I'm trying to just get into Costco, but I realized it's not right. And the police officer at the door, because there's always a police officer there, just took the guy to the side. But all of us have experienced things that are not right. It's not right to treat people like that. 
And the statement plays into this idea that there is a way it is and there's a way that it should be. It's not right for people to go hungry in the world. It's not great. It's not right for this massive disparity between the rich and the poor. It's not right for people to be used and abused. It's not right that hot dogs come in packages of eight and buns come in packages of six. Amen? What's up with that? When you think about your own life, though, there's probably things that you can look at in your own life and say, you know, that's not right. I wish it was different. I wish that hadn't happened to me. And I wish I could go back and rewind the hands of time to make it different. But we can't go back. But we can decide what we're going to do with today. I imagine when Jesus died, there were many regrets from his followers and the people around him. I could hear them saying, it's not right. I can hear them saying, it's not right that we abandon him in his greatest hour of need. I can hear them saying, it's not right that we denied him when we should have actually said we knew him. I could hear them saying, it's not right that this promised glorious coronation and him coming into his kingdom is no longer going to happen because he has now been crucified. His followers would have had a sense of disillusionment, regret, feelings like they had been giving swampland in Florida when they were promised beachfront real estate. They would have felt it's just not right. So here we are, the death of Jesus, all these feelings in between of it not being right, but then the third day comes. The women go and visit the tomb looking for Jesus' body simply to give him a proper burial. And instead they discover that the tomb is empty and they're told that he is risen by these angelic beings. We can easily read this story and think that if we were standing at the tomb that we would have believed he had resurrected right away. But I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced I would have believed right away and I'm not convinced each one of us would have believed right away. And if you're a skeptic in the house or listening online, you're in good company. Because all the way back to the moment of the resurrection, there were people who questioned, is this real? Did this really happen? Just think about it if you would have been there. If you would have stood below the cross of Jesus and even seen the events leading up to him being crucified, whipped, beaten, brutalized, then nailed to a cross and watching him speak his last words, breathe his last breath, a soldier piercing his side, proving that he was dead, watching as Joseph of Arimathea took down Jesus' dead, lifeless body and carried it to a tomb and laid it there. If you had witnessed all of that and been ruminating on that for the last few days, to hear that Jesus is now alive, would you believe it? I'm not convinced I would. How could somebody that all of this happened to truly be alive? It's almost like believing that the Washington football team could make the playoffs. 
I don't know if I just made friends or enemies. <laughs> I could have said some other teams, Matthew. Um, we, we, see it, we see it took some time. We see it, to, I, man, I have people in house. I just, I, I'm just happy to see y'all here. But we can see it. We can see it took some time for the resurrection of Jesus to become a reality for his followers. That it wasn't something that they just believed and embraced right away. But as more people encounter Jesus, as more people see the resurrected Christ, eat with him, walk with him, talk with him, there's this, there's this sense of growing that this is real, it really happened, that what Jesus promised has come into fruition. But why does that matter to us? An event that happened 2,000 years ago that has rippled through history, why does it matter to us? Because I believe in the promise of the resurrection, God is saying it's not over in many different ways. And I want to give you five quick reasons of why it's not over because of the resurrection. The first, it's not over because God is a God of resurrections. That he can take something that is dead and lifeless, that when hope is gone, when your dreams have been crushed, when nothing is left, God is still a God of resurrections. In Isaiah 61.3, we read, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. There are things in our life that are simply a pile of ashes. There is nothing less left of it. And only a resurrection God can gather up something that is not and turn it into something beautiful. A crown of beauty. God is a God of resurrection. And it's not over. Second, it's not over because there's freedom from sin and addiction. If you're listening or watching and you're struggling with addiction, sinful behaviors, self-destructive lifestyle, I want you to know that your life is not over. That there is still freedom for you. Now, Jesus is not this magic incantation, like we wave these little things this morning and somehow we say, Jesus, and everything becomes perfect. No, but he gives you the power, moment to moment, hour to hour, day by day, to overcome those things that are controlling you. This is not you learning to control yourself. This is God, through his resurrection power, giving you the power to overcome in your life. Look at it like this. How much power did it take to resurrect Jesus from the dead? And how much power are those things that are controlling you, how much power do they have in your life? And which one is greater? Is Jesus and his resurrection power greater than those dominating thoughts? Greater than those addictions? Greater than that draw towards that website or those self-destructive behaviors, which one is greater? I believe the resurrection of power, power of Jesus is much greater. Now in the Old Testament, Moses led the people out of Egypt and towards the promised land. And as the people of Egypt came out of their slavery, it didn't necessarily change their hearts by minds and souls. 
In many ways, these people were still prisoners in Egypt. You could put it another way, it was easy to get people out of Egypt, but it was a lot harder to get Egypt out of the people. That in the midst of all these things, there's, there's these mindsets, there's these ways that we've lived. And when we encounter the resurrection power of Jesus, it doesn't always change that right away. It takes time and effort to reorientate and learn a new way to live. And the resurrection power of Jesus is available for you. It's not over. There is freedom from sin and addiction. Third, it's not over because there is healing for your mind, your body, and your soul. There is healing available. Every single one of us in here has experienced pain and trauma in our lives in some degree. Some greater, some less. And when you experience pain in your life, what is the natural response? The natural response is to protect yourself. To move towards a place where you don't allow any more pain to happen. So you put up masks, walls, go into self-protection mode so that you don't experience any more pain. A few weeks ago, my son broke his wrist playing soccer. And when I picked him up, he was in pain. And I took him to the doctor and he was in pain. And he got a cast and he was in pain. But now, just weeks later, there's no pain. Why? Because healing has come. That healing has come to his wrist and it's still healing. And as long as it heals proper, there shouldn't be residual pain. Now, it might not be physical in your own life, but think in your life. When you reflect on events or circumstances or things in your life, what still brings you pain? What still hurts you? What are still those things that you don't want to revisit because it just is too painful? If you have that depth of pain still in your life, it is telling me that you still need healing. That there's still something God is wanting to do on a deeper level within your own heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. For some of us, you have experienced the healing of Jesus in your life. Amen? You have experienced the healing of Jesus. And we need to give testimony. We need to tell people when God has brought healing to our, our lives. And some of you have experienced the healing of Jesus. Others of you right now are in the midst of it. You're like, I'm, I'm not healed, but, but I'm open to this. And God is working in the midst of this. Allow God to continue to work to bring healing. And others of you have yet to experience it. And if you have not yet experienced the healing of Jesus, it's hard to take that first step. And do you know why it's hard? Because there's pain. Because often Jesus wants to take you back to the pain so that he can heal you. And since we don't want to revisit the pain, it's too painful. It's hard to allow God to bring us back to that pain. But he's not bringing you there to hurt you or harm you. He's bringing you there to heal you. It's not over because there's healing for your mind, your body, your soul, and spirit. It's not over because you have breath 
in your lungs. You have breath in your lungs. Take, take a deep breath just for a moment with me. Just take a deep breath. You know what that means? That you're able to take a deep breath? It means you're still alive. Do you know every day on planet Earth, 150,000 people take their last breath? Do you know also around 385,000 people take their first breath every single day? And today, God has put breath in your lungs. And he's given you this day to live. So I'd encourage you to stop living like your life is over. Some of you have quit living somewhere along the the way, even though there's still breath in your lungs. Stop living like your life is over, because it's not. The goal is not to get to the end of your life. The goal is to live today to the most fullest possibility in the power of God. So when you get to the end of your life, you're not there with regrets because you never truly lived. Don't get caught in the past. Don't get stuck in the future. Take hold of today. Seize the day. God has given you today to live for him. In the book of Joshua, Joshua encourages the Israelites, choose today who you will serve. In Lamentations, Jeremiah states, his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new today. You don't have mercy for yesterday or tomorrow. You have it for today. All we have is the breath in our lungs and the life that he has given you today. It's not over if you have breath in your lungs. And even if you don't have breath in your lungs, it's not over because there is life beyond the grave. Amen? We are told in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus is the first one who has resurrected. And he demonstrates for all of us what it's going to look like on the other side of death. When we believe in Jesus we see that we are designed as eternal beings. In Jesus' resurrection, we see that death is not a period, it is a comma. It is a doorway into eternity. It is not the end, it's the beginning of this glorious ever after. In Jesus, we see that the grave does not have power, but that Jesus has been fully resurrected and is alive. And the incredible thing about Jesus' resurrection, if you look at it, when he resurrected, he still bore all the scars of his humanity. I think we'll be comparing scars in heaven. Like, look at what happened to me. Man, that's rough, but there's no more pain anymore. It's not affecting me. It's not holding me back because I'm fully alive forever. Eternal life will be anything but boring. An eternity with God will be anything but empty. Take a look at scripture. Take a look at the works of Randy Elkhorn on heaven. Go back and listen to my message from August during the Q&A series on heaven. And be reminded of this beautiful place that he has promised to all of us who believe in him. 
Now, on the other hand, Jesus clearly talks about that those who reject him and separate themselves from the life of God will end up in a place of eternal separation from him. Now, I know in modern times, we don't like to talk about that. That's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. But Jesus was very clear in with regards to people's eternal destination between heaven and hell. And he simply said to us, we make choices throughout our whole life. We make choices of where we are going to go. And God's heart is that none perish, but all come to repentance. His desire is to, for you to step into the fullness of life that he has for you. God's heart is for everyone to know him. For me, I'm looking forward to eternity. I don't know about you, but I want to seize the day here, but I'm also looking forward to that glorious day that I'll be welcomed into my eternal home. And the longer I live and the more people who go before me, my heart pulls more towards eternity. It's been a little under two years since my dad passed away. Still miss him. Still wish he was here. But I know who my dad knew and knows in all his glorious presence. My dad loved and followed Jesus all the days of his life. And I know he had a warm welcome into his eternal home. And I know one day I'm going to go there. And I'm going to see him. I'm going to see Jesus. And all that was wrong, all those statements of it's not right, will be enveloped in a glorious reunion for all of eternity. If I didn't have that hope, I would be a hot mess. But since I have that hope, I believe that it's not over. The grave does not have the final word because there's life beyond the grave. In the resurrection of Jesus, we discover many things. And we discover that when we just think it is over, that it is not over, but God is just beginning. So where do we go from here? So many of us can look at this as a great story that took place around 2,000 years in history, but this story includes you and I. And I love to put it in kind of these four big movements, creation, the fall, the rescue, and restoration, that God created everything and everyone. You as humanity are pinnacles of his creation. And he loved you so much and he loves you so much. But humanity made a choice in the garden to rebel and separate themselves from the life of God and sever that relationship. We call it the fall. In all of creation, all of humanity fell. God could have abandoned us then and said, We're, I'm done with you. You're all a mess. But instead he sent Jesus on a rescue mission. Over 2,000 years ago, he sent his one and only son to live, to die, and to ultimately resurrect from the dead and conquer sin, death, and the grave. And one day he promises us that there is going to be a glorious restoration of it all. 
back to the way that it was always meant to be. And what we need to do with that is receive Jesus into our own lives. Say yes to him for ourselves. Say, Jesus, I need you. I invite you into my life. I confess where I have rebelled. I turn away from my own sinfulness and I turn to you, God. May you give me your resurrection life. If you're with us in person and God is speaking to you today about saying yes to him the first time, I would simply like you to raise your hand, not to embarrass you, but we want to give you a gift and follow up with you and encourage you. So if you're in person and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, just simply raise your hand for a moment, just right where you're at. If you're joining us online, there's a link in the chat where you can show that you have said yes to Jesus. And we'd love to follow up with you and give you a gift and pray with you. And if you've already said yes to Jesus, I hope that this is a great reminder this morning that in the resurrection, God has said, it's not over for you. It's not over. Whatever you have going on in your life, it's not over because Jesus is alive. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that today we'd experience afresh anew the resurrection of Jesus. That it wouldn't just be some nice platitudes we say and that we say, he's risen, he's risen indeed, but may we experience the resurrection power of Jesus for us. Be it in our struggles, be it in our perspectives, be it in the depth of our soul, whatever it is today, may you bring your resurrection power in the way that we need it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.